You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Take your Bible here this morning and turn with me to 1 Timothy. message that the Lord has really strongly laid upon my heart and I think there was some confirmations that this certainly is his will for us to bring this biblical teaching to you today. Wednesday night Ben preached on the love chapter of the Bible taking the first three verses. This morning for those of you who may have the same Bible app on your phone as I have and as Alyssa has, you know that at 7 o'clock every morning there's a Bible verse that pops up as the verse of the day. It's interesting that that verse is the very verse I have here on my first page of my notes. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd use the message this morning to speak deeply into our hearts. And as we enter into this week, a week of celebration, a week of thanksgiving, thank you for our country, thank you for our forefathers who set this day aside for us to worship, to glorify and to express our thanksgiving to you for your many benefits that you have so blessed us with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Yesterday we had our family thanksgiving. And the reason we do that early is because our children go to various places for thanksgiving. and It's almost impossible for us to get together as a family, having the large family that we do. And so we do it prior to Thanksgiving, tried to do it the Saturday prior to Thanksgiving. Everyone was there, all of our children were there, and all of our grandchildren were there, and uh, we were in Isaac's living room, and uh, that is a living room full, I'll tell you that right now. And we took some time just to go around and express just one or two things at the most. I was very clear, I said, you can't go on and on and on, just one or two things quickly that you are thankful for because of how many were there in the living room. And, of course, the grandchildren chimed in with that. And when it came to me, the the thing that I was the most grateful for was all of the grandkids that the Lord has blessed me with. They were all over me and on my lap. I actually had four at one time sitting on my lap, and I had to shoo them off even so I could give my testimony. I love my grandkids, and it was very precious to me to have all of my grandkids there in uh, the living room with us as we celebrated Thanksgiving. But as we went around and everyone gave something that they were thankful for, the thing that we should all be the most thankful for wasn't mentioned. And I believe this, that the thing that we ought to be as believers, the most thankful for is the love of God. Where would we be without the love of God? Let's pick up here in 1 Timothy, uh, verse 11. I'll read 
uh, through verse, uh, let me see, verse 17. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, and I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceeding abundant with faith and what church? Love, which was in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen to that. Think about God for just a minute. And all the attributes that our God possesses. Here we find in uh, verse 17 that Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, mentions a few of them. But think about how the God that we serve, the God that we love, is a perfect God. Not only is He perfect, He is eternal. He is sovereign, which means He is in control of all things. He is infinite. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He's merciful. He's long suffering. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's self-existent. He's immutable. And we could go on and on and on concerning the attributes of our God. But one of the main attributes that I want you to consider this morning is the fact that God is love. 1 John 4, 16, John said, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love love. Now I believe God's major attribute is holiness, but right behind that comes the attribute of his love. I don't think that any of us really can grapple with, understand, comprehend the love that God has for us. For God, for God what? When you can't describe something, when something is indescribable, you put the word soul. For God, so, you can't describe it, you can't explain it, you can't comprehend it, you can't wrap your mind around it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Herein is love. This is love. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. That is a big doctrinal word that very few of us understand the meaning to. We read it in the Scriptures, but it just kind of passes by us and we really don't understand that word propitiation. I remember when I was uh, looking at some of the footnotes in my Bible. I use a, a King James study Bible. It's a great study Bible. And it had the word propitiation. And so I looked to see, what do the footnotes say about this word propitiation? Herein, 
here is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Now here's the definition that was given in my King James Study Bible. I love it. The act of God, the act of God motivated by his immense love, whereby he accepts the blood of Christ as complete and satisfying sacrifice for all sin, thus establishing a means of reconciliation between God and man. I love that definition of propitiation. God loved us enough that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. I think of uh, the prophet Samuel when uh, Saul was uh, inaugurated to be king over Israel. Samuel said this to Saul to exhort him in his kingship. He said, only fear the Lord. Are you still with me? Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider, Saul, before you take the throne, consider how great things he hath done for you. I think we need to consider the great things that the Lord has done for each and every one of us. Amen? David said this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. From whom do all these benefits come? From a loving God who loves you and loves me more than we can ever, ever be able to understand. Now, these are just a few verses that talk about the love of God, the love that God has for us, and the love that we should have for Him. But if we could even begin to understand the love of God, I believe that it would completely change the way we live our lives. I really believe that. It was the Lord Jesus who, when He was questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had alternative motives in their questioning of Him, but when they questioned him as to what is the greatest commandment in the scriptures, you remember what Jesus said. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, what? With all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. As a preacher, it seems like on a weekly basis, I am challenging you to live right and to do right. Amen? Amen? And to live a life that would glorify and please the Lord. I take that as one of the greatest aspects of my ministry, is to encourage you in that way. But when it really is all boiled down, I can be up here with pom-poms in my hands trying to cheerlead you every week to live a life to glorify and please God. Right? But you will not do that. No matter how much I cheer you along, no matter how much I exhort you, no matter how much I admonish you, no matter how hard I preach against sin and the consequences of sin in our lives, no matter how much I warn you and plead with you to live right and to do right and to glorify and please the Savior, you won't do it until you love Him. 
That really is the bottom line to this whole thing. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Listen, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, will have a special love, and we will come and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. So if you love the Lord, you're going to what? You're going to, you're going to obey Him. You're going to do right. You're going to live right. You're going to glorify and please Him with your life. If you don't love the Lord, what? You're not going to glorify Him. You're not going to attempt to please Him and honor Him with your life. It really comes down to that. And so the main thrust of my message this morning is going to be as we enter into this Thanksgiving week, and Thanksgiving is on our mind, the number one thing that we ought to be thankful for is the love of God, and we ought to love Him in return for His love for us. There's several things that, when you think about the love of God, that come to my mind, and that is it is inexhaustible. Think about that. You cannot exhaust the love of God. You don't ever, listen, you don't ever have to worry about the Lord no longer loving you. He'll never run out of his love for you. Turn to 1 Corinthians with me, to that love chapter. As I mentioned earlier, Ben preached on verse 1, 2, and 3, but he didn't get into Wednesday night about talking about the aspects of love. This is that agape love. He did a great job of explaining how the agape love is the love of God. It's not phileho love. It's not eros love. But it's the love of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, endureth all things, never runs out, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. Now look at verse 13. Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is what? charity. When I gave the invitation on Wednesday night, I said the reason that our good old King James Bible, the inerrant, infallible, authoritative, preserved word of God, the reason that it translates that word agape charity is because that is exactly what agape love is. Every other love has the aspect of I'll do this for you if you do this for me. But agape love says no, it doesn't make any difference what you do for me. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to love you unconditionally. Charity is that which gives without any desire for a return to come back. Yesterday, um, several of you helped put together some Thanksgiving baskets for our bus families. And I'm going to have those, some of you, all of you can tonight if you want, I want you to share a testimony of the reaction that our bus families had when we brought those Thanksgiving meals to them one bus family tears came into their eyes as they said we 
we were not going to be able to have a Thanksgiving for our family. We didn't have the money to go out and, and buy a Thanksgiving meal. But with tears in their eyes, the father said, but now we can have a Thanksgiving dinner at our home. Giving without ever expecting anything in return. Do you know, this describes for us the love of God and the love that we are to have for one another. I remember many, many years ago as I was going through the love chapter and trying to make it personal in my life, I replaced the word charity with the word Dan. Dan suffereth long, Dan is kind, Dan envieth not, Dan vaunteth not himself, Dan is not puffed up, Dan doth not behave himself unseemly, Dan seeketh not his own, Dan is not easily provoked, Dan thinketh no evil, Dan rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, Dan bears all things, Dan believes all things, Dan hopes all things, Dan endures all things, Dan's love never fails. Boy, I wish that that were true of Dan. Because as Ben brought out so clearly Wednesday night, if that is not the way that we love one another, we are a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. God's love is inexhaustible. I love what Jeremiah said. Listen to the words of the prophet. He said, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee, with an everlasting love. A what kind of love, church? Everlasting. It's never going to run out. And the reason it's not going to run out is because it comes from a well that never will run dry. That song that we love to sing, it's in our hymnal, Fill My Cup, Lord. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, Draw from my well. That never shall what? Run dry. My well of love will, for you will never run dry. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Listen, we all thirst for love. The number one need of humanity is to be loved. The number one reason people come to church is not to hear the preacher. You all knew that, didn't you? The number one reason why people come to church is because they feel loved. I like what one person once said, and I don't know who said it, but boy, it resonated with me. The church is a hospital for sinners. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 8. Very familiar passage of Scripture concerning the love of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. I'll read through verse 39, making a few comments. This is so good. Are you there? Love hearing those pages turn in the church. That's one thing you don't get when you use your cell phone. You don't get those rustling of the leaves. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword? As it is written, for thy sakes they are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that what? I can't hear you. What? Loved us. He loves us. For I am persuaded. I'm going to do my best to persuade you today that God loves you. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of what? God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you persuaded of that? Are you convinced of that? Do you know for sure that God loves you? And that nothing, nothing in this life and nothing even in death will separate you from God's love? Tribulation can't, persecution can't, distress can't, peril can't, life can't, death can't, angels can't, demons can't. The fear of today and the worries about tomorrow can't. Even all the powers of hell cannot separate you from the love of God. Hallelujah. Nothing in all of God's creation will ever, ever be able to separate me from the love that God has for me through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when my Father has to discipline me. And boy, let me tell you, my Heavenly Father can spank hard. How many of you have been spanked pretty hard by God? You know, when God spanked you, even the spanking was done in love. I haven't always spanked my children in love. I remember raising my ten kids. Boy, did we wear out the paddles. And I'm ashamed to say, there has been times I spanked my children in anger. So upset and frustrated. There was times I actually spanked the wrong child. <laughs> to which I would respond with mercy, saying, well, you still deserved it anyway. How many times did you get away with it? our Heavenly Father never, ever chastises us in anger. He always has our best in mind. God's love is inexhaustible. It is beyond measure. I was thinking of all the measuring tapes I have um, I can't tell you how many measuring tapes my children have broken. <laughs> measuring tapes are not a toy. Right? Now it's my grandkids that are breaking my measuring tapes. But if I had a measuring tape that could go around this world once, twice, three times, four times, five times, it could go around this earth for eternity, measuring the circumference of this earth 
it could still never measure up to the love of God. It's unmeasurable. That's what this passage tells us that we've just read there in Romans chapter 8. The church to whom this was written, it's written to all of us, but particularly it was written to the church at Rome that was soon, they were undergoing, going to undergo some tremendous persecution and tribulation for their faith. Nero, Nero, within a few short years, was going to come to power and they needed this passage of Scripture to sustain them. If you know anything about Nero, he was sadistic. He was an, he was an evil, demon-possessed emperor. You think of all the things that he did to, to the Christians, putting them into the arena. Men, women, and children. And then letting wild dogs and lions and starving these animals and then letting them out and the whole arena would cheer as the lions or the wild dogs or whatever animal it was that they were using at that time would rip and tear these Christians into pieces before their eyes. They'd cheer. What we experience today as Christians is nothing. And Paul wanted them to know, listen, God has not forsaken you, even though you're, under, you're going to be undergoing terrible persecution for your faith. God's love is there. You think about this, this Nero who would have Christians taken and dipped in tar, and then they would strap them to poles, and then they would light them on fire to light his drunken garden parties. And they would dance and drink as these Christians burned at the stake. Paul himself would soon be beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ. And yet he said, for me to live is Christ. Say it with me. To die is gain. Why? Because even death itself cannot separate us from the love of God. So this passage just reaffirms the unmeasurable love that God has for us. It's inexhaustible. It's beyond measure. His love is indescribable. I think of the parable that describes the indescribable love that God has for us with the shepherd and the lost sheep. Remember the parable? Gathers all the sheep into the sheepfold, the shepherd does. He counts them. How many are there? Ninety-nine. How many did he have? A hundred and one is missing. And so he secures the ninety-nine and he goes out and he searches, and he searches, and he searches until he finds the one that was lost and puts it on his shoulders and brings it back to the fold. I want to tell you something. That's the indescribable love of a shepherd for a sheep. Seriously, if I was a shepherd and there was just one little sheep missing, I'd say, you're on your own, buddy. It's time for supper. 
I am not going out and looking for you. No, I've actually said that about some of my kids sometimes. <laughs> They'll find their way back. But that indescribable love of God and his tender mercy would search for me. That he would embrace me. And he would joyfully forgive me. Listen, he would joyfully forgive me for wandering away. And would bring me back to his fold. For when we were yet without strength, we couldn't save ourselves. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Guess who that is? That's me. Do you know you have a very ungodly preacher? And I have a very ungodly membership. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's every one of us here. Go down the aisle. Go down the rows. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Scarcely. You're hard-pressed to find anyone that would die for someone else. There may be a few. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended. That word means he demonstrated. He demonstrated his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. His love saved us from wrath. This is the kind of love that prompted the Lord Jesus to leave heaven's glory. Can, you, can, we, can we even begin to understand that? He left heaven's glory, came to this earth to seek and to save sinners. This is an extraordinary, this is an indescribable love. And I just want to say something as I was thinking about this. If you feel far from God today, and sometimes we say that, you know what, you're far from God. Do you know there's nobody that's far from God? Paul, his preaching on Mars Hill, said these words, that they should seek after the Lord if happily they might feel. Don't get into emotions here, preacher. No, it's what it says, that they might feel, that they might reach out, search for, try to handle, touch, try to connect. If you're here today and you want to connect with God, God wants to connect with you more than you want to connect with Him. That they might feel after Him and find Him. 
And listen to this. Though he be not far from every one of us. Maybe you've tried to run away from God. Maybe you've been bitter at God. Maybe you've been angry with him. And you say, I want nothing to do with God. God still wants everything to do with you. And no matter how far you run away from God, as soon as you turn around, God's there. That's how much he loves us. If someone were to treat me the way that some of us have treated God, I wouldn't have anything to do with them. I think of some of the young people here. You think of how bad some of you have hurt your parents. And yet your parents still love you. But even the love of a parent for a wayward child cannot even begin to compare with the love that God has for every one of us. Another thing I noticed about God's love is it's incomprehensible. Take your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. So God's love is inexhaustible. It's beyond measure. And it's incomprehensible. Are you there? Give me an amen. Amen. Okay, Ephesians 3, 17. I want you all to see it. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. I got it. We are saved by what? Faith. You put your faith in the Lord Jesus, He'll come into your heart and save you. Right? Do we all, do we all have that down? For by grace are you saved through faith. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. That ye be rooted and grounded in love. I got that. The greatest of these is love. I, I, got, I got it. Now let's keep going here. May be able to, what's the next word? Comprehend. To understand, to wrap our mind around. That we may be able to comprehend with all saints, with every born-again believer, what is, listen, what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Now wait a minute. Didn't Paul just say that we would be able to comprehend? And then he says, you'll never comprehend it. No matter how old you are, no matter how mature you are in Christ. Pastor Peterson, 94, right? 95? You are 95 now? I can't keep up with this guy. Can you? I had my credit card hacked again yesterday. For the past four months, I've had my credit card hacked. 
How many have ever had their credit card hacked? Wow. You know what? We should probably get a mark. So I called it, and this person I was talking to wanted to make sure it was me. Oh, it's so frustrating. They kept asking me all these questions. They asked me, where, what was the address of where you used to live? I'm like, I don't know. I lived in Napoleon, Michigan, on Nottawasippi. I don't remember what our house number was. That was 22 years ago. She goes, well, let me ask you another question then. So she asked me another question. I don't know what that had to do with what I'm trying to illustrate right now. It was really good. Whatever it was, it was good. Oh, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. My knowledge couldn't even go back to remember my address. 22 years ago. Comprehend that which is impossible to comprehend. And then he says this, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What is all the fullness of God? L-O-V-E. And we're to be filled... What is the fruit of the Spirit? Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Love. Right? You know, it's, don't feel bad if you cannot comprehend the love of God. As I was preaching, I said, how in the world can I preach about the love of God and I don't even understand it myself? And then I remembered a scripture here, and I don't, I don't have time to read it. Our time is going, but it's in 1 Peter chapter 1 where it says, even the angels cannot fathom and understand the love that God has for us as sinners. They desire to look into it, but they can't understand. You know what? The angels are still scratching their heads saying, why did the Savior... Leave heaven's glory and go to the earth and die for those people. It passeth knowledge. It exceeds our limited understanding. Charles Spurgeon. Some have asked me, do you read after Charles Spurgeon? And I've said, I've, I've read a little, but very little, because he's a really a hard read. How many have ever read Spurgeon? If you don't get his writings that have been rewritten so that guys like me can understand it, you're like blown away by this guy. But listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about the love of God being incomprehensible. I thought this was so good. Where will language be found which describes his matchless, unparalleled love towards his children? 
It is so vast and boundless that as the bird skims the water and does not dive into its depths, in the same way all descriptive words merely touch the surface while the depths of God's love rest immeasurably beneath. I've seen those birds. You know, every year my wife and I have opportunity for the past several years to go to Sarasota, Florida. And there we have a condominium that is, someone graciously allows us to use and it's right on a white sand beach and you'll go down and you'll see these skimming birds. They just put their beak down and they skim right across the water. As an unknown poet once said, O love, thou fathomless abyss. This love of Christ is indeed measureless and unfathomable. No one can claim to fully comprehend it, but before we can have any right idea of the love of Jesus, we must understand His previous glory in all of its heights of majesty, His incarnation on earth in all of its depths of shame. When He was enthroned in the highest heavens, He was God. By Him were the heavens made and all the host of heaven. His almighty arm upheld the spheres. His praises of the cherubims and the seraphims perpetually surrounded Him. The full chorus of hallelujahs of the universe unceasingly flowed to the feet of His throne. He reigned supreme above all His creatures. God over all, blessed forever. Who can tell of the heights of the glory of them? And who can tell how low he descended? To be a man was something, but to be a man of sorrows was far more. To bleed and suffer and die, these were much for him who was the Son of God. But to suffer such unparalleled agony to endure a death of shame and desertion by his Father. This is the depths of condescending love which the most inspired mind utterly failed to fathom. Herein is love. And truly, it is love that surpasseth knowledge. Oh, that I had a vocabulary like that. P.B. Bliss, who wrote my favorite song, It Is Well With My Soul, wrote the song, Hallelujah, What a Savior. Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven he is exalted high. Hallelujah, what a Savior. When He comes, our glorious King, all His ransomed home to bring, then anew His song will sing.
Hallelujah. What a Savior. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. The song that we sang just before I preached was the love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star, reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from their sin. When hoary times shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who hear refuse to pray and rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure will still endure, all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels song. Could we with ink the ocean fill or were the skies a parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels song. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.